This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 119, submission 425, Davis Rules. Davis Rules aired on ABC and CBS from January 27th, 1991 to May 13th, 1992 for 29 episodes spanning two seasons. Hit us with that harmonica. Davis rules. You know who did uh, like all the music, like the theme and the interstitials and stuff. Pride of Devo, Mark Mothersbaugh. Yes, Pride of. Uh, he actually went to Kent State. Oh, yes, wow. he did. Yes, yes, he, he he's a uh, Kent State alum. And not this would, I'm, I'm not yeah. a Kent State alum, but my sister was. Yeah, and this would be around the same time that he was also doing the music for Rugrats. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he he's really made a career out of TV music. I mean, not I mean, Devo had a, a little uh, uh, time in the sun, but uh, you know, what else do most people know besides Whip It? Yeah, not much. Yeah, I'm going through it and the hat. Yeah, and I'm going through Mark Mothersbaugh's uh, filmography. He's done the music for. Pee-wee's Playhouse. Um, oh, yep. Yep. yes. Yep. Yep. <laughs> what We Do in the Shadows. and Oh, uh, yes. And, uh, oh, one and, and a certain other entry that we'll be covering next week. But he also did the music for The Last Man on Earth with Will Forte. Nice. Oh, wow. So needless to say, there is life after uh, being a one-hit wonder. It's not often that we cover a show that aired right after the Super Bowl, but that's what's about to go down right now. Oh, hold up, Chico. We did review Brothers and Sisters. That did air after our Super Bowl, didn't it? Yeah. Okay. Although, in fairness, I'm sure Scott Norwood would was much happier after the game watching this than Jackie Smith was watching Brothers and Sisters. True. True. <laughs> Okay. Wait, Scott Norwood blew the game. You think he'd be watching this and be happy? <laughs> no, he'd be at a bar getting drunk. What bar in Tampa would be open after the Super Bowl? He'd have to go to Pasco County, I'm afraid. <laughs> That's a life PD joke. Anyway. Okay, so Davis rules. 
It's a show about a principal played by somebody who you wouldn't think about when you hear the word principal or you think about what a principal stands for. That would be the rules, the regulations, laying down the law in school. Actually, you wouldn't even think about him nowadays except for being really crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just a little little off-kilter. Yeah. I'm speaking, of course, of Randy Quaid. Shitter's full. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Shitter's full. It's a, it's a one-year membership in the Jelly of the Month Club. <sighs> oh, God. Clark, that's the gift that keeps on giving the whole year. Yeah, uh, this would be, this would actually be after the uh, Christmas vacation came out, so he would still be riding the high off of that, and I'm guessing the networks would have been riding that same high, so they thought, hey, Randy Quaid is zany enough to be the straight-laced school principal, right? Well, they they took a chance. What can I say? They took a chance. So, here's Randy Quaid, who actually looks... Oh my god. He looks half he I'm looking at a promo picture and he doesn't look anything like Cousin Eddie. He looks like he had home training. His father looks more like Cousin Eddie than he does. His father, by the way, played by the late great Jonathan Winters. And folks, if you don't know who Jonathan Winters is, and we say this about everybody on this podcast, but especially this time, if you don't know who Jonathan Winters is, what podcast are you listening to? Yeah, so, Davis Rules, you had Randy Quaid and Jonathan Winters, sort of like nothing in common, except a bloodline. By the way, nothing in common, that's a future entry. Wait, the movie? No, the TV show based on the movie. There was a TV show based on nothing. There was a TV show based on the movie, Greg. Wow. So here's basically the log line of Davis rules is widowed elementary school principal gets help from his dad raising his four kids. And his dad is a little, uh, I used the, the term earlier, a little off kilter. Like I said, his dad is more like Cousin Eddie than Randy Quaid is. He was very bizarre. Very He, w- he was bizarre. Very, he was very wacky. He was a wacky... He was the wacky pappy. He is wacky pop-pop. Yes. And again, here's Dwight Davis, played by Randy Quaid, as a very, uh, very straight-laced sort of guy and... Uh, he, he's a school principal, yeah. He, he's got to be, yeah, he's a school principal, he's got to be straight-laced. Yeah, we, we we have codes of ethics and stuff like that. So what could I say about this show except, okay, we have the father, we have the grandfather, but we have, but we have to have kids, right? Well, we do have kids. All right, now follow me. Because I'm about to go over the cast here, but there is, like, you know, some changeover between the ABC run and the CBS run. We mentioned the kids. There are four kids. 
Trevor Bullock plays Robbie Davis. Luke Edwards, who, if you remember, played Jimmy on The Wizard, played Charlie Davis. California. Nathan Watt played Ben Davis. Now, those were the three kids in the first season. So, in between the time ABC canceled it and the time CBS picked it up, Trevor Bullock left the series, and there's a hole in the cast. In comes Bonnie Hunt as, I believe it is Dwight's sister, or sister-in-law. Yeah, it's his sister. It's his sister, Gwen Davis. That's just weird. It was already weird when you consider that Gunny Davis is still there. It's Jonathan Winters. He's not going anywhere. No, he's not. Yeah. And and honestly, why would he? But let's go to the school in season one, because there are some people who are only there for season one, and among them were Patricia Clarkson as Cosmo Jurgen. Wait, that Patricia Clarkson? Yes, that Patricia Clarkson. Yeah, you didn't think she did lowbrow comedy, but here she is. Then there's Rigoberto Jimenez as Rigo Cardona. And for the life of me, I can't find another credit for this guy. Yikes. Yeah, this that looks like this is his only work, or at least only work worth mentioning. Uh, he's got, like, nothing on his IMDb. Well, he did do American Me, and one episode of... He, 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 was, a very, he was very active during the early 1990s, because he did American Me with Edward James Olnos, and he did one episode of Melrose Place, and yeah, that was pretty much it. And then you have Mrs. Elaine Yamagami, played by Tamayo Otsuki, who... Oh, who was who was actually in uh, one of CBS Summer Playhouse pilots? I'm and guessing it wasn't the Infiltrator. No, it was not the Infiltrator. Oh, sorry. But perhaps you remember her best for her role as Korean woman in "Don't Be a Menace to South Central While Drinking Your Juice in the Hood." Oh, oh my God! What, what a classic! It should have won eight Oscars. The the soundtrack be- the soundtrack is amazing. I, I can't believe we've actually mentioned that movie on this podcast. I never thought we'd do that. Well, I thought you were gonna say I can't believe you said that movie should have won eight Oscars, which it should have, by the way. It really should have. And then you have Deborah Mooney as Mrs. Rush. Of course, Deborah Mooney, known for recurring roles in Scandal, Grey's Anatomy, and the originals. Also on future installments, Kirk and Dream Street. If you don't know what those shows are, that's okay. Neither do we. And rounding out the uh, cast of uh, of uh, his co-workers is Mrs. Higgins, played by... Are you ready for this? Oh, I'm ready for this. Are you sitting down, Greg? Yes, I'm sitting down. Mike, are you ready for this? Can, you, can your heart take it? Oh, I'm already sitting, but there's other reasons. I didn't that. ask that. I'm asking if your heart can take it. I, I think I can take it. Deborah Joe Rupp. Whoa. Eric Foreman's mother. Eric Foreman's mother. So we talked about Eric Foreman's mother 
and eventually one day we'll talk about Eric Foreman's father in future installment, The New Adventures of Beans Baxter. Yeah, dumbass. Now, at the end of season one, we would say goodbye to Patricia Clarkson, Rigoberto Jimenez, and Deborah Jo Rupp. But we would add, of course, Bonnie Hunt, but we would also add perennial teen heartthrob actor extra add-on Giovanni Ribisi. Oh gosh, what wasn't he on back in the day? What wasn't he on back in the day? Yeah, and also Mike, he's in Don Russ Americana. Yes, he is. He's Wait, in Don Russ Americana. He yes, he's in the Don Russ Americana card set. Okay, now before we get to the episodes, I actually have a, quote, in-canon explanation as to what happened. What happened to the oldest son and his friend between season one and season two? Let me guess. He went to the same spaceship Chuck Cunningham went to at the end of season two of Happy Days. No, nor was he made an example of by the Philly Mafia. So don't ask. They were actually written off as foreign exchange students. I suppose you could make a, a, a less plausible explanation for that. Oh you my could, god. You couldn't write that he got sent to military school or something? No, because you would actually have to show the military school. Foreign exchange students? No, you could send him to a military school like cross-country. You don't even have to see the actual school. That is true. And as for Skinner's sudden appearance... Skinner? His parents were archaeologists in Latin America, and Dwight became his legal guardian. What? Yeah. Exactly. This was basically a master class in how are we going to explain all of these changes? Interestingly enough, the show did garner a couple of Emmy nominations, so it wasn't that bad. And actually, Jonathan Winters won uh, Outstanding Supporting Actor in a Comedy Series. Yes! And of course, it airing after the Super Bowl, you know it got ratings to start out with. Oh, it got eyes, definitely. I'm just wondering what the hell happened afterwards. Well, Chico, now that I look back at it, at least on ABC, it aired on Tuesday nights normally. Oh. And, and, and Tuesday nights, you know what was on Tuesday nights on ABC back in 1991. That would be the Roseanne show. Yeah, so you know what I'm thinking? It couldn't hold Roseanne's audience. But It's like you're reading my mind. Absolutely. So I'm guessing that a vast uh, majority or a good uh, percentage of Roseanne's audience didn't stick around for the, the comedic antics of Randy Quaid and Jonathan Winters. Okay. If you thought this show was an exercise in believability, are you ready for this? Okay. This was the, this was the episode that, this was the pilot. This was the episode that aired after the Super Bowl. Okay. This so is, this, this is the, set the tone. This is what set the tone. This is after Scott Norwood went wide right, and it's okay. The Super Bowl's over. Okay, what an exciting game. Now let's get into Davis rules. Yes. Yes, by the way, Whitney Houston. Epic. Epic. And I'm sure everyone 
is is so excited because the the night before they watched tag team. So every everyone's like, okay, we saw this great pie with, with Roddy Piper and Jesse Ventura. We saw an amazing Super Bowl. What's going to happen next here on ABC? And also, we should mention Whitney Houston's national anthem. We'll be talking about it at some point next year. Oh, we're going to finally talk about that next year. Oh, yeah. Hopefully. Oh, yes. Here's the details on the pilot episode. It's called A Man for All Reasons. Because get it? A Man for All Seasons. That's the joke. I know. The teacher... And the teachers and staff of his school vote a reluctant Dwight Davis into the principal's chair. So immediately, we're thinking, Dwight Davis is a fish out of water, trial by fire principal. Yeah, because he doesn't want this job. He's like, he didn't want this job. He didn't ask for the job. Why did you give him the job? He specifically said... I don't want to be the principal. And the staff were like, who cares? We're going to make you the principal. Wait, I need to chime in. In what school district do the teachers and staff vote in somebody to be principal? Welcome to 1991, Mike. Okay, I don't get it because, you know, every principal I've worked with had to apply like anybody else. They weren't just voted in, picked by teachers and staff. Well, Mike... Wouldn't you like to be voted in as a principal? Now you see... Say no. Say no, Mike. Say no. Well, hold hold on. People have actually said I'd be a good principal, but the thing is, I don't want to be a principal. I get that at the same time. It's like, you would make a good laboratory supervisor. I'm like, I would make a good supervisor, but you know what else? But you know something? I don't want to. It's like, I, you should apply for the laboratory supervisor job. I was like, I should, except for one thing. I don't wanna. That's basically the quandary that Dwight Davis finds himself in. Yeah, I mean, some of us like teaching and and don't necessarily want to ascend the ladder for various reasons. Mm-hmm. Okay, episode two, which would have aired, of course, at its regular Tuesday night slot after Roseanne, which it couldn't hold the audience. So, rules of the game. Romance may stir between Dwight and the algebra teacher he hires to tutor Robbie. Ooh! Yeah. <laughs> so already we're starting into the sitcom tropes. It's like, horny student, hot for teacher. What's a father to do? A father who, by the way, is also the principal at your high school. Because that's not awkward at all. That's not awkward at all. It's a little bit awkward. Episode 3, The Trouble with Woman. Ben is having trouble getting rid of a pest at school, but Big Brother Robbie is more than willing to step forward and stick up for the Davis family name. Sadly, I do not know what the trouble is. But I'm guessing because of it because it's the it's a uh, little Ben Davis, there's a bully involved. Episode 4. Guys and dolls. Dwight's jealous when Gunny says he saw Cosmo with another man. And Rico serenades his dream girl, Debbie. This, by the way, would be the Valentine's Day episode. Hence, the romantic overtones. Episode 5. 
Pomahack, I'm going to screw this up so bad and I apologize. Pomahack Day Massacre. Pomahack Day tradition demands that every request be honored. So Dwight gets stuck escorting an adoring student to a school dance. That's not awkward. Oh, yeah. That's the last thing you want to do as a principal is escort a student to the friggin' dance. Remember, this is only three or four years before Mary Kay Letourneau. Episode 6. Yes, I'm the Great Pretender. Dwight becomes concerned with Charlie's nightly calls to Cosmo. Is Charlie looking for a new mom? Remember, uh, Charlie is, if I'm not mistaken... Is played by Luke Edwards. Yeah, he is the Luke Edwards. So do you know where he was probably searching for a new mother in? California. And why not Patricia Clarkson? Oh yeah, I mean, come on. It's Patricia Clarkson. Yeah. I mean, you could do a whole lot worse than Patricia Clarkson. Also, do you know where he could hook up Randy Quaid and Patricia Clarkson in? California. I told you not to say it. (laughs) Anywho, let's go to episode 7. Give me the ball! Robbie has the drive to play basketball. Unfortunately, he lacks the talent. Yeah, that's my excuse, too. Eh, well, you, you, you have the height advantage, Mike. Yeah, but I don't have the talent. <laughs> hey, if this episode was in, like, another four or five years, he'd be a Luke Longley-type player. Yep. Hey, let's give it up for the fat guy slam dunk. Episode 8. Twisted Sister. Dwight's sister comes for a visit and has an interesting proposition for the family. Can she convince them to leave town? Yeah, I'm guessing this doesn't go well. No, it probably doesn't. I'm guessing that it, it that they're not successful in getting her to leave town anyway because, well, we still have a, a good 20 episodes left. So this is the fir- our first taste of Gwen Davis. And I'm guessing she takes after Gunny because she too is a little bit uh yeah, odd. Would you mm-hmm. say odd, Greg? Yes. Okay, episode 9. Take this job and love it. Robbie rebels under the weight of being the principal's son. Told you it gets awkward. Ms. Higgins fights teacher stress. Also believable. This is probably one of the most believable episodes of the series. Because teacher stress is a real thing. And when you're the principal's son, it gets really, really awkward really, really quickly. I do want to add that uh, one guest on this show is Mina Cobb or Kolb. She may not be well known for many things, but one thing that she did about uh, 10 years later, she played Jeff Garland's mom on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Whoa! Really? Yeah, I'm yeah, not joking. Uh, she, uh, uh, Jeff Garland uh, played Jeff Green, and uh, she's credited as Jeff Green's mother on, it looks like, at least five episodes of Curb Your Enthusiasm between 2000 and 2002. Well, that's, well, how about that? That's something. Okay. 
And she's still with us at the age of 94. Oh, thank goodness. Thank, thank so, so goodness. There, there's a double bonus. Mm-hmm. Okay. Episode 10, Sign of the Times. Rigo and Robbie want to join Dwight's poker game. Will he stoop to let them? So apparently Dwight has standards, and uh, Rigo and Robbie do not. Episode 11, Habla Español. Robbie makes a new friend who turns things upside down. Meanwhile, a new student upsets the Spanish teacher. Oh, no. Oh, oh, no. Ay, caramba. Santa Monica. Santa Maria. Santa Maria. Yeah, Santa Barbara. What is this? The surf report? Oh, Oh, boy. Past Century Condo, by the way. Past Century Condo. Episode 12, Mission Improbable. Who's fooling who? Dwight tries to trick Gunny as he plans a birthday party, but Gunny has some tricks of his own. And I should mention, Chico, this is the second appearance on the show of Bonnie Hunt as Gwen Davis. Interesting guest star on this episode. Are you ready for this? Okay. Angela Watson. Angela Watson? Don't know who that is. You don't know Karen Foster from Step by Step? Oh, that person. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know I, she I, wasn't. I know I, she wasn't in much. Uh, she, a, after I, listen, she was no Stacy Keenan. So is anybody? Is anyone Stacy Keenan? No. Anybody? No. Not even. Not even Christine Lakin is Stacy Keenan, and Christine Lakin is awesome. Yeah, she's a real one. She's a real one. And the season finale, and also the series finale, as far as ABC is concerned, soap. Charlie bets on how long he can avoid taking a shower. Oh, God. Yeah, that's worth a cancellation. Why? Dwight wants to confront a journalist, and Gunny seeks romance. At this point, they're like, you know what? Screw it. Let's just do this episode. Yeah. I don't know if Brandon Stoddard was still with ABC in 1991, but I bet he probably watched this episode and said to himself, Screw it! Well, I do want to mention two people on this episode. One isn't necessarily a name, but he's going to come up sometime in the future because this is definitely on our list. Kelly Connell portrayed, and I'm not even joking about this, Ulysses S. Grant on future installment, The Secret Diary of Desmond Pfeiffer. What? Oh my god, I can't wait until we do that. I, I'm just throwing that out there. But a bigger name, playing Porter on this episode, Stephen Root. Stephen Root? Bill Dotry. Bill Dotry. Yeah, I'm talking about Bill Dotry, yes. Or Milton. Or uh, Jimmy James from News Radio. Yeah. Nice. And at this point, uh, ABC's figured, yep, we've had enough. We can only bleed so many viewers from Roseanne. It's over. And CBS came in and said, oh, no, it's not. Yeah, Howard Stringer's like, look, I know we've spent way too much money on Major League Baseball, but screw it. ABC wants to get rid of this show. Well, guess what? We're going to put it on our network, damn it. 
Hey, this is the same network that put the Hollywood game on. This is the same network that gave Pat Sajak a late night slot. So there you go. CBS, the uh, network of many questionable decisions in the early 90s. Here's another one. The Tiffany Network. Come on. It's the Tiffany Network. Central Park West. And that other show with John Barrowman on it. Greg knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, but sadly, John Barrowman doesn't give us that immortal line that he does in Shark Attack 3. You know what I'm talking about, Chico. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. He doesn't give these a line with the same panache as, Hi, Captain Jack Harkness. By the way, I'm looking forward to that episode oh, of Doctor oh, Who. The New Year's Day episode, yeah. Yes, I am. But let's talk about Season 2 on CBS, which launched December 30th, 1991. In as much the same way as, I believe, it launched on ABC. Because the second episode aired, I'm not kidding, two days after the first. What the? Would CBS have aired the first episode of season two after a wild card game? Probably. I'm on the case. Hold on. Hold Well, no. Yeah, it's it- Dece- December 30th, 1991. Yeah, let me double check. Uh, December 30th, 1991. That was a Tuesday. I'm sorry, December 30th, 1991 was a Monday. Okay, so I'm guessing they put it on after Murphy Brown to get some of their viewers out. They wanted to get those sweet Murphy Brown ratings. Well, but also, December 30th, you're talking about the day before New Year's. Is anybody really watching at that point? Uh, again, you know, thinking you know, it's New Year's, and I'm guessing Murphy Brown may have been in reruns at that point. It might have been, but you know, people. Well, yeah, because I mean, they're not generally showing new episodes over the holiday season. Who knows? Yeah. I, I don't get the strategy. But then the weirder thing is, you said it aired two nights later, which is New Year's Day, and you're sure as heck no people aren't watching that day because they're watching football or nursing hangovers. Bingo, bango, my friend. So uh, surely this uh, the second episode was going up against probably at least one bowl game, if not more than one. Okay, so here we are with January 1st, 1992 on a Wednesday and nobody's watching it. And, but here's the first episode of the season, which aired on that Monday. Season two, episode one, they're writing songs of love but none for me. Changes are in store for Dwight when Skinner, Skinner, a free-spirited teen, enters the household. Old friends from college leave the team to Dwight. Skinner, by the way, is played by Giovanni Ribisi. And again, what hasn't he been in? And I'm going to add another name, and this is a name we mentioned previously. Garrett Graham. Franklin Sherman on The Critic. Oh, yeah. Yep, and also uh, Panko on Parker Lewis. Oh, yes. Mrs. Mrs. Musso's hard-ass replacement. Well, I bet you he always lost to Parker Lewis. You know why? Because Parker, Parker Lewis, Lewis can't lose. Can't lose. Of course he can't lose. Oh, Greg. What, what about if he fought Batman? 
No, Parker Lewis beat Batman's ass. You know why? Parker Lewis can't lose. Oh, for heaven's sake. (laughs) Hey, I got a question. What would happen if Parker Lewis was in a battle with, let's say, a thousand Terminator robots? You know who would win? Parker Lewis. Yes, and you know why? Because Parker Lewis can't lose. Parker Lewis would beat the asses of a thousand Terminator robots because he can't lose. Okay. Episode two, because now they're going to be, I'm going to let you know right now, episodes are going to start becoming more and more Skinner-centric. Skinner! Yeah. Episode two, a father makes all the difference. A family dinner is upset when Skinner Skinner introduces the family to his pregnant friend. What? Oh no, no. Do we do we know who plays the pregnant friend? I'm about to find out here. Carla Gugino. That Carla Gugino. Carla Gugino. Yeah, the mother from Spy Kids. The mother from Spy Kids. And also Zach's older girlfriend from that one episode of Good Morning, Miss Bliss. Oh, that's right. I forgot she was at Good Morning, Miss Bliss. Yeah, as in the special ninth grade episode. Episode three, writing a wrong. When Charlie has a difficult essay to write for school, he copies Gunny's diary. Unfortunately, he forgot to ask permission first. So he's basically copying off of Gunny's diary, and we all know that Gunny used to be very exciting, now he's kind of a space case. Oh, are you ready for this, Mike? Oh, you're way ahead of me already, I think. You were going to say, who appears on this episode? Yes. Oh, just uh, Mrs. J. Moore, or the former Mrs. J. Moore, Nikki Cox! What?! Yeah, Nikki Cox from Unhappily Ever After. A.K.A. Also, the anti-married with children. Yeah, essentially. And wasn't Nikki Cox uh, married to Bobcat Goldthwait at some she point? She was! I think she was She was married to him. Yeah. She appears in this episode. I, I, don't, I, I just don't know. Yeah, some things are, are difficult to wrap your head around. I get it. Yeah, I mean, wow. Okay. Episode 4, The Moment of Youth. Skinner objects to Dwight's plan to send him to work, but Dwight insists when Skinner's parents don't send him any financial support. Of course, they're archaeologists in South America. Do they have any uh, financial support? Interesting names uh, in this episode. Kristen Dottillo and Jennifer McComb, I think they're both from... They've both done at least one soap opera. I may be wrong on that, but definitely Kristen Dottillo. Next episode, ooh, it's the first of a two-parter. Love at First Sighting, Part 1. When Charlie constructs a telescope for his science project by using toilet paper and paper towel rolls, Dwight manages to spy on the girl of his dreams through it. I have to see who the girl of his dreams is played by. Kelly Rutherford. What? You heard me. Kelly Rutherford. 
uh, her being uh, Lily Vander Woodson on Gossip Girl. Nice. Yes. So uh, an actual known, known name there, if you will. But we're not done with our lovely Erica here. Her name is Erica, by the way, because here comes part two. Knowing that Skinner and Gunny are already far too interested in Erica, Dwight takes her to a fancy restaurant in Seattle, where it quickly becomes clear that every man in the state of Washington is also interested in Erica. Wait, what'd you say? Everyone in the state is interested in her? Everyone in the state of Washington is interested in Erica. Everybody in the entire state of Washington wants a piece of that. Yeah. Everybody in the state of Washington. Everybody in the state of Washington. Hey, Bill Gates, Howard Phillips, because this would be 1992 and he would still work for Nintendo of America. Yeah. A younger Jeff Bezos. Could you imagine how different history would be if Jeff Bezos got that? A younger Ken Jennings, maybe? He was probably still in the state of Utah around this time in 1982. Well, maybe. Okay. All right. All right. Well, hold on. I'm bringing you guys back to reality because uh, playing the role of a host on this uh, episode is Gregory Itzen. Oh, you that bastard. That bastard. That jackass from 24. I was just going to say, Greg might appreciate this. He played Charles Logan, the vice president yeah. and eventual president, on 24. Yeah, that is I think I, Charles Logan. Yeah, he, I th- he ruined Gene Smart on that show. I think I, speak for everyone, I think I speak for everyone here when I say, feel free to bleep me on this. <laughs> that guy. Oh, yeah. Charles Logan. Oh, my gosh. Charles Logan, the biggest heel in the history of television. I'm not wrong, right? You are correct, sir. And the horse he rode in on. Next episode, Gunny's X. Oh, my. Gunny's ex-wife returns, sparking some romance. By the way, Gunny's ex-wife, played by Audrey Meadows. Yeah, but also we need to add another one. Uh, there's uh, The captain in this episode is played by Franklin Cover, who played Tom Willis on The Jeffersons. Oh, my goodness. The biggest, if Charles Logan is the biggest heel in the history of, heel television. In the history of television, then Tom Willis is the biggest welcome mat. Yeah, you can say that. Nice guy, but you could just walk right over him. Yeah, Tom Willis and you had Audrey Meadows on this episode. That's that's pretty big company there. Mm-hmm. It was sweeps. It had to be big. Next episode is Happy as a Clam. A friend convinces Dwight to invest in a clam farm. Said friend is played by Richard Gilliland. Oh, you mean that same Richard Gilliland from future installment Just Our Luck? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, think, you think maybe T.K. Carter told him, you know what? You should invest in a clam restaurant. <laughs> you need to invest in a clam restaurant because clams are the food of the 90s, you see. Oh, yeah, I got that. The joke of potatoes are the food from the 80s from Good Boil a bacon fry. You can boil a bacon fry and believe they're the food of the 90s. We are now in the middle of National Potato Month. 
Yeah, and thanks to that, Zach lost millions, thousands of Miss Bliss's money. Great job, Zach. <laughs> yeah, he becomes governor of California one day. Anyway. Yeah, can you believe that? The state of California elected Zach Morris. But you know what? I guarantee you, unlike Gavin Newsom, he never talked about tugboat on Twitter with Ken Jennings. Next episode, please. Episode nine. Someone to watch over them. Oh, our friend Kathy's back. And she's brought her baby. And Skinner tries to help her out by setting her up on a date with his teacher. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. However, he hasn't considered a lot of possible problems like her feelings or his own. Yeah. So we have single mother Kathy on a date with a teacher. But here's the thing. I think Kathy is actually in love with Skinner. Skinner? Skinner is actually in love with Kathy. Therefore, Kathy and Skinner should be together. But then there's a baby. I, I have to I have to find out who plays the date that Kathy ends up with. Uh probably Mark probably Mark Moses. He's the only male guest on this episode. And uh Mark Moses actually uh has been in quite a bit of stuff. Maybe most popularly, he was Duck Phillips on Mad Men. Ah. So not a bad looking person there. Also he played Paul Young on Desperate Housewives. Mm-hmm. Okay, next episode. Bells. And, and and that's why the housewives are desperate because Mark Moses is not a bad looking guy. No, he is not. He's better looking than my ass. Okay, episode 10. Bells, bells, bells. Gwen is visited by an ex who doesn't intend to stay an ex for long. That would be uh, the ex is played by Nick Ramis. Any relation to Harold Ramis? Definitely no. So we've had our Skinner episodes. Now it's time for a Gwen episode. Yay. Next episode, Strike Down the Band. Okay, this is another relatable one. Dwight must get creative when budget cuts force him to cut portions of the school's arts and sports programs. Oh gosh, does that hit home. And actually, two names uh, worth uh, mentioning on this episode, playing Marty is Stephen First. Oh, oh. Babylon 5 and Miss St. Elsewhere, but mostly uh, the Babylon 5. Well, I was going to say Animal House. Animal but, House, yes. But 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 all of your answers are definitely valid. And uh, Stephen Hurst also, uh, again, Game Show Connection, played the Pyramid uh, early in the $25,000 days. Yeah, well, when he was on St. Elsewhere. When he was on St. Elsewhere, yes. But he didn't appear on Match Game Hollywood Squares, I don't think. No, he wasn't on the no. St. Elsewhere week. No, 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 no he wasn't they on gave his. They gave his chair to Howie Mandel. Yeah, he, he was on Squares uh, back in 79, though, uh, on the network version. And he was on All-Star Blitz. All-Star Blitz. And I, I remember he was on the new Hollywood Squares back in the, the late 80s. And Blackout and Super Password. So he, he definitely made the rounds on game shows. That's just the first person. The second person, Ernie Sabella. 
when I was a young warthog. I don't even think that was the answer I was going for, but I'll accept it. Yeah, Lion King. Yeah. No, 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 no. What I was saying is uh, that that wasn't the the answer oh, I was going for. Wait, he was there. Ernie Bell was on It's Your Move. And also, Bella uh, was on "It's Your Move." See, I wasn't even going there uh, to to the Lion King. I was going to to "It's Your Move," and also played uh, Leon Carosi on six episodes of Saved by the Bell. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I remember that. He played Leia Remedy's dad. Yep. Yes, he did. Man, we we we're just talking about Saved by the Bell over the place this episode. Oh, but yes. Next episode. Everybody comes to Nick's. Skinner is left to babysit. When a blues great is in town, he takes his charges along for the music. Skinner? (laughs) Skinner? Episode 13. A foggy day on Puget Sound. Gunny and Dwight attempt to bond by fishing together. Unfortunately, they get lost of the way due to foggy weather. Because it gets foggy in Seattle, y'all. Oh, oh, oh my gosh. I'm going to lose it because playing the Coast Guard officer who presumably saves them, mm-hmm. a name we mentioned previously, Brian Haley. He was on Pachinski. He was on Classic Concentration for about four days in 1988, and actually his episodes just reran within like the last two weeks. Oh, nice. Yeah, he, he was the, the stand-up comic with the, the short uh, haircut, the, the crew cut like Drew Carey. Absolutely hilarious guy on, on the Classic Concentration episodes. Oh, but, but yeah, he was on Puchinski. And so we obviously mentioned him. That was like episode four. 50-ish, I think? It was 50, 51? Yeah. It was about episode 56. It was in the 50s. It was during our yep. pilot month. Yep. By the way, we'll be doing another pilot month in 2021, so something to look forward to there. Oh, and, 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 and we've got it stacked. Uh, oh, we, we, we got some good ones. You're going to love our nuts here. Th- oh, thanks, Vince. Thanks, Vince. Episode 14. Gwen's Lonely. So Dwight and Gunny decide to find her a date. So uh, what's, the the, what's the name of the episode? Fairy say, tale. Fairy tale. Get it? But it's spelled F E R R Y because Seattle. And interesting, interesting. A uh, couple of names here: Michael Spound of Hotel. Ooh, yeah, that's a name from the eighties. Oh yeah. And Jeff Doucette, I'm pretty sure he is somewhat of a known entity, but I can't remember for the life of me from where. The the name rings a bell. Yeah. Uh, looking, he's got credits all over the place. Guys, he, he played. Oh, I'm okay. Yeah. I'm not going to. Guys, him. time out, time out. Before you continue, Mike, I just made a never discover on Luke Edwards' IMDb page. Uh-oh. He played Young Jerry in the 1990 episode of Guys Are You Sitting Down? Well, I am, obviously. Parker Lewis can't lose! Oh, no. Oh, gosh. Okay. Okay, okay get back to what you were saying. 
So uh, what, what I was, oh my gosh. So uh, Jeff Doucette, um, he's got uh, some uh, voice credits to his name. I'm looking here and he's I see. He's got voice credits. He's got regular credits. He's, he's pretty much, he's, he's popped up all over the place. Of course, he was in, I can't name a Disney Channel series that he wasn't in. Well, I'm going to say one series that definitely is on our list that um, might be one of the worst shows of all time. He voiced Smek on the show, God, the Devil, and Bob. Oh, God. The Devil and Bob. Yeah, I was say, and the Devil and Bob. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, I, I can't believe that's 20 years old at this point. I thought it was closer to about 2002, 2003. It was 2000, okay. Episode 15, Brother, Can You Spare a Dime? When Gwen loses some commissions, she can't contribute to the household finances. I got a guest here, and this is a name. This is probably the the biggest name we've said tonight in terms of guests. Maybe one of the biggest guest names ever before he hit it really big. I hope you guys are sitting. Okay. Say it. Who is it? Brian Cranston. What? Oh my God! This okay. This was this was a year before he landed the voice of Snizzard on the first season of Power Rangers. Yeah, I, 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 it's a good what, like seven years or eight years before Malcolm in the Middle, and and another and another five years after that before Breaking Bad. Some little show called Breaking Bad. Absolutely. Yeah, you may have heard of it. Oh, but he was also. But he also played Jerry's dentist on Seinfeld. Yeah, he did. So, th- you know what? Brian Cranston is admirable. He just plugged gig after gig until he found the gig that made him. That leads us to the final episode, for real this time. The Girl with Someone Extra. Dwight has no problem with the idea of dating others. The reality is a different story when Erica dates his favorite ball player. Of course, Erica being the lady who is apparently physically attractive to every male in Washington State. And so, so wait, so, so was the ball player Ken Griffey Jr.? No, it was Jay Buhner. Come on, Greg. Well, it certainly wasn't Randy Johnson. No, it was not. It was played by Kevin Kilder from... Nowadays, he's playing Travis Gentile in The Plot Against America, but back in the day, he was... God, what wasn't he on? He was on... He he kept himself... He's keeping himself busy. Yeah, he's basically a, 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 a that guy from that thing. Although he did play uh, William Boone in 24 episodes of Gene Ronberry's Earth Final Conflict. So, there's something. It's not Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda, that's for sure. Oh, what is? Kevin Sorbo is Captain Dylan Hunt. Watch that stuff all day. And something we failed to mention. All of season two's episodes are directed by... Are you ready for this? Oh, yes. We forgot to mention this. Yeah. Say it. Say it. Say it. 
Jamie Widows. Yeah, Jamie Widows, baby. Yeah, it was his birthday when uh, a magnificent beard guy won $30,000 on Match Game Hollywood Squares because everything goes back to Match Game Hollywood Squares. No, everything goes back to Magnificent Beard Guy and his Magnificent Beard. <laughs> I wish I had half the beards. That hey, guy. You know what would be even more amazing? What would that be? It, you know what would be more amazing if Parker Lewis and Magnificent Beard Guy teamed up against the Thousand Terminator robot. Oh, no. Okay, I really think you need to do a poll for that. Uh, who, who would win? Parker Lewis or Magnificent Beard Guy? <laughs> Oh, well, well, come on. That's not going to be fair. It's going to be Parker Lewis because you can't lose. Right, yeah. I, I sort of figured Park, that. It's Parker Lewis. We all know he can't lose. Yeah. So all I could, so I guess the question that is, that's left to be answered is, what happened? I can answer that. This is going to sound like name that tune. I can answer that in two statistics. So the premiere... How did it do rating-wise? Mm-hmm. It play, it placed 16th. Not bad. Which, which is not bad for a, an ABC uh, cast-off. So yeah. then what happened uh, near the end of its run? It ranked 68th. Oh, God. Th- that's a heck of a drop-off. There was, uh, a, was it up against The Simpsons or something? No, it was on Wednesday nights. Uh, why do I Simpsons keep? Made... It's like why? Why do I keep? Oh, wait a minute! It was up against Snyder Two I know. That's what it was. Yeah, Simpsons may yeah. have still been on Thursday nights. Yeah. Yet. And remember, this is the first season of Nine Hundred Two One Zero. This were this is where people were just discovering the craziness of the Walsh family from Minneapolis. Yeah, and uh, some uh, a number of Fox shows. And remember, Fox was not big in. 1992 beat Davis rules in the ratings, including married with children. Naturally. Was this the point when seven was on married with children? No, no, that was the, uh, the 92, 93 season. Oh. So it's later that year. The, the, these numbers come from uh, near the end of the run, May of, of 92. Okay. Her- Herman's head beat it. Oh, that's uh, not oh, good. You, you, it's not good when you lose the Herman's head. Yeah, uh, you mentioned uh, 90210. 90210 beat it that week. In Living Color beat it that week. Cops beat it that week. And Drexel's class beat it that week. Oh my god, how embarrassing is it when your show loses to Drexel's class? But I mean, come on, it is Dabney Coleman, but still. But but still, that that's six or seven Fox shows that beat Davis Rules that week. And Rock was not that far behind. Oh, oh. Rock was amazing, though. I don't, don't you dare bring down Charles Dutton, Mike. I, I'm not. I'm just saying that Davis Rules was 68th that week, and Rock was 71st, not that far behind. So, yeah, obviously um, there was a big drop-off going from 16th uh, after the premiere down to 68th uh, by about the time the show was canceled. Yeah, uh, I don't think it was just 90210. There had to be more to it, but uh, 90210 certainly didn't help. Basically put, what show beat Davis Rules that week? What show didn't beat Davis Rules that week? No, there are actually quite a number of shows that uh, Davis Rules beat that week. 
um, going back to the ratings, uh, it was 68th out of, out of 88 shows. And some of the shows that it actually beat, Parker Lewis can't lose since we've mentioned that enough tonight. Yeah. Uh, Parker Lewis was, was 85th. Hold up. Parker Lewis can't lose was 85th. Yeah, it was 85th. That's a lie. He can't lose. <laughs> Okay, before before the Supreme Court tells you to go pound sand, Greg. What? Uh, But but just just some other names of of shows that lost to to Davis Rules that week. Who's the Boss, which admittedly was near the end of its run. Perfect Strangers, uh, which again, admittedly, was near the end of its run. Life Goes On. That actually lost to... uh, Davis rules in, in this week I'm looking at. How I can't believe Corky lost to this. Yeah, Corky lost to this. Uh, Brooklyn Bridge, a, a, a good show from back in the day on CBS. Yes, a legendary short-lived show on CBS. A very uh-huh. good show, yes. And also, I mentioned Rock, but also Dear John. And Dear John... Which, would, which been, would also be on its last legs. If I'm not yeah, that was either its last season or second to last. You got it. Yeah, I mean, America was like around this time. Look, Judge Hirsch, we're not feeling this anymore. It's like we were feeling it, then we were really feeling it. Now it's like, now we're not feeling it. That ain't it, Chief. But, but, uh, yeah, that was basically the life and times of one Dwight Davis. Mild-mannered, surprisingly mild-mannered, principal trying to do his job, a job he didn't want, by the way. Raises kids, kids he adored, by the way, and his dad, a dad that was a little, by the way, and basically trying to fix everything that he found himself in the middle of. Yes, it sounds quirky, and yes, it seems a little bit weird, but back in 1992, it was a thing on TV. But lest we... uh, leave you a little bit high and dry here. There is something else I have. Oh? Uh, oh. Yeah, I think we know what's coming, yeah. Play the music! Oh, jeez. Yes, it's time for eBay Prices Right. You our next item up for bids. Are you ready for this? Yeah, I'm ready for this. Okay, I'm not just one script of Davis rules. Oh, two, three. Oh, three. Can't see it because of my green screen, but there you go. Three scripts of Davis rules. The episodes, side of the times. Written by Freddie Tobin, Twisted Sister, written by Kim Freeze, and Mission Improbable, written by Stephen Paymer. All copyright the Carsey Werner Company, CBS MTM, 4024 Radford Avenue, Editorial Building 1, Studio City, California, 91604. Uh, you are bidding on the Buy It Now price, the original Buy It Now price, not the discount, because there is a bit of a discount. Actually, yeah, you're bidding on the Buy It Now price. The original Buy It Now price. Yes, the original Buy It Now price. Okay. 
Who goes first? I haven't heard from Michael Show, so he's gonna go first. Uh, <laughs> um, th- three scripts. Okay. Oh my gosh, th- th- that could be anywhere because uh, people price scripts at outrageous prices sometimes. Um, th- none of them are autographed. It's just regular old scripts. They're just regular scripts. Yeah. I'm gonna probably uh, cut off my nose in spite of my face. I'm gonna go forty nine ninety nine. Gonna go forty nine ninety nine, Greg. Now I wish I could consult Parker Lewis on this because I know he would not lose on this. He would? No, he would not. I will. I will go. I'll give Mike a little bit of room here. I will go fifty four ninety nine. You go. Okay. All right, Mike Klaus bids forty nine ninety nine. Greg Dieter bids fifty four ninety nine. I have the actual buy it now price. It is wow, Mike, you were really close. Fifty dollars. Oh, that was so close! I wanted the hundred dollar bonus. I wanted to dig in your pocket. No, I'm you sorry. ain't. Been... Nice. Hell, you we, are. We have never had. I, I've been watching too much Bob Barker. I'm sorry. The hell you is, boy. We have never had a perfect bid in the straight-up two-person bidding thing. Mike is now officially the closest. Yes. Oh, and, oh, uh, and I nearly bid fifty nine ninety nine. Dang. Yeah. Greg, you should have pennied me. That's the lesson I, there. You're you not shut up. I was thinking that, but I was like, no, I'll be nice. No, Greg had to be the bigger person. I, I want to be the bigger guy, I thought. You know what? I consulted Parker and Lewis. He said, okay, it's $50, but let Mike win. Greg, you could have been a legend. You took one for the team. Well, for me. Well, uh, that's pretty much all we got on uh, Davis Rules. We have more where that came from. It's all at, It was a thing on TV.com, isn't it? And, of course, you can find all the episodes, all the mini-sodes, all of our social feeds, and again, we have to do a special shout out because we got we have the attention of a bunch of uh, fans of small podcasts. So we got we obviously got to do a, a special shout out to them, right? Oh yeah, oh yeah, especially one person in particular. Mm-hmm. That would be uh, hype sports legend Rick in Baltimore. Yes, Rick. We played hype sports back in the day. And we recognize your name from that. So you definitely have been on our radar for some time. Thank you so much. And and by the way, in case you ever wondered who Laucho Morks was, that was me. That that was him. I was Laucho Morks. I was the one who had for one day, I had the (laughs) McLean Stevenson as Groucho Morks from Hello Larry as my avatar. And I was the guy who had all those Gerard Mulligan avatars. <laughs> oh, oh no. I'm having flashbacks to 2018. What year oh, is my it? Gosh. All the Gerard. It's only 2020. <laughs> but, but yeah, uh, we, uh, we all noticed the name Rick in Baltimore, and all three of us were like, hype sports. We remember him. We played against him. He won quite a bit. We won quite a bit. Everybody was getting money everybody well 
yeah. uh, not much money, but we're, we're making money. And uh, so, yeah, we're, we're glad you found your way over here and we're glad that you uh, said uh, such uh, positive comments about us. We really appreciate that. Keep on listening. Tell your friends that we are, aside from being on, it was a thing on TV.com. We are also on wherever fine podcasts can be streamed, be it uh, Google, Android, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora? Are we on Pandora? I don't know. Uh, we're, we're, on, we're on Pandora, I believe. Yeah. And we're on YouTube, remember? Yep, and we're also on YouTube. And also, do not forget to like, comment, and subscribe. And if you're on the YouTube, don't forget to ring my bell for updated for updates on future content. I still got to upload episode 117, so I'll probably do that sometime. Yeah, and of course weekend. we and of course we cannot stress this enough. Rate and review the podcast. Five stars only. We I do not look up sex swings on eBay for four stars. Jeez. Oh, hey, hey, I appreciate whoever it was that wrote about my dad <laughs> wanting new rules for football. Whoever that was, I appreciate it. Wink, wink. I don't know who it was, but I'm sure that person had some great taste. Oh, that that person's a savior in my opinion because it got rid of the previous review. Oh boy. Okay, one of the shows coming down the pike is a sh- is a live show that we're going to be covering a TV event that happened this past Sunday. This yeah, past. Uh, uh- yeah, but th- that episode should be up hopefully Sunday or Monday. So yeah, uh, this should be old news by uh, the time uh, Davis Rules gets uh, uploaded. Yeah, but you know what? You can listen to it if you want. Definitely Please. listen to it because Please listen just to this. The, when, when we heard about this, oh. immediately instant uh, induction. We've got to cover this. We've got to do a live show. Yeah. So, got to do a live. Uh, and guys, when I saw the trailer for this, I died laughing. This I said to myself, this is so stupid and so absurd. We have to talk about this. Oh, and we have to talk about it immediately. I mean, and the thing is, if you've been following the socials for the last two weeks, you know what we're talking about. Yep. Oh, yes. Right. But, hey, hey, we do have two regular shows uh, next week as well. What? Oh, and it's sort of timely because we're coming up to Christmas. Yay! Yay! Okay, we have uh, one show that we have one show that's a continuation of a show we did previously, and then we have a show that is well. We'll just say it's our Christmas gift to you. Yes, this is the mystery diner spot from last year. I I I, I meant to correct myself. It's the Charles Styles mystery diner spot from last year. Release the drone. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how this episode is uh, going to match it, but I know we'll try. Yeah, this is good. This, if this is not a two-hour-long episode, oh, jeez. If we don't extend this out to two hours, then we are doing something wrong. Because there's so much to talk about in this show. There's so much. There's so, there is literally so much to unpack. And it's just as much of a train wreck as Mystery Diners. I'm sorry. Maybe even more so. Yeah, even more so than Charles Styles, Mystery Diners. 
Hey, I got a question, guys. Uh-huh. What if Charles Stas Mystery Diners met Parker Lewis? <laughs> so what happens if uh, Charles Styles Mystery Diners meets Parker Lewis? Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously the drones get released, yet Parker Lewis still wins because he can't lose. He can't yeah. lose. Parker Lewis yeah. can't lose. Yeah, yeah, it's right there in the name. Mm-hmm. Well, Oh, also I should note the ratings that I uh, shared with you earlier – it was mentioned as just Parker Lewis, not Parker Lewis can't lose. So he did obviously lose his can't lose. But that's impossible, Mike. He can't lose. But he lost his can't lose. He was just Parker Lewis. Well, that that just destroys the, the folks of the show. He can't guys, lose. Yeah, guys. I know. There goes the space-time continuum. Guys, I'm sorry about that. You're confusing our audience, guys. Okay. Well, I, I, Mike, I guess, I guess Greg, Greg. Time to end the show. Okay, we'll end this yeah, show. Oh. Well, you know what, guys, we're we're gonna have so much fun next week. It's like the fun's never gonna stop. But until then, we'll be back here next week with two more exciting things on TV. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Wow, Peter, you ready for dinner? Oh, that's just like the Parker Lewis episode when Parker Lewis ate dinner. Peter, nobody cares about your canceled show. Lois. Parker Lewis can't lose. Don't even try and make him lose, because it's just going to be that much more embarrassing for you when you realize that he can't lose. Would he win in a fight with Batman? Well, Chris, think about what you're saying. Parker Lewis can't lose. Heretofore, Batman can suck on that. California.